0: Ha, <laughs> ha, A podcast dedicated to suspense and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. We love scary old-time radio stories. There's nothing quite like a disembodied voice telling a genuinely disturbing tale. But do these stories stand the test of time, or are we being deceived by nostalgia? Are they suspenseful or forgettable, bone-chilling or butt-numbing? that's what we're here to find out. For tonight I have chosen
1: an episode of Murder by Experts entitled Return Trip which was originally broadcast September 5th, 1949. David Cogan and Robert A. Arthur teamed up to direct and produce this show which ran from 1949 to 1951. The same duo also created The Mysterious Traveler which debuted six years before Murder by Experts in 1943 and which continued to run a year after Murder by Experts went off the air with Cogan and Arthur writing for both shows the whole time. In the case of Murder by
2: experts, the two of them were adapting stories rather than creating original works. For each show, a mystery writer or some other well known expert on the topic of murder would choose a recent crime thriller to dramatize for the show. All told, three authors would get their work promoted each show the expert, the author of the work to be adapted, and the
0: host. From the start of the show's run through March 13, 1950, Murder by Experts was hosted by John Dixon Carr. Carr was already established as a respected and prolific author. Carr was succeeded as host by Brett Halliday, who is also a famous and well-regarded author of detective fiction. For Cogan and Arthur, working on both Murder by
1: Experts and The Mysterious Traveler did not seem to impair the quality of either show. Their work on Murder by Experts earned a prestigious Edgar Award for the Best Radio Drama in 1950. And The Mysterious Traveler... Traveler is second only to suspense in the number of nominations for Edgar Awards. In 1949, they lost to Inner Sanctum Mystery, and in 1951, they lost to Dragnet. But in 1953, Kogan and Arthur's collective work on Mysterious Traveler was enough to beat both of the other nominees, which were Kogan for his individual work on Mysterious Traveler, and Arthur for his individual contributions to the same.
0: Forget the petty distractions around you. Forget what you think you know. Forget everything but what you hear right now. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices.
3: Murder by expert. Mutual Broadcasting System presents Murder by Experts with your host and narrator, Mr. John Dixon Carr, world-famous mystery novelist whose books have been translated into 17 languages and have sold over 10 million copies and author of the recently published detective novel, Below Suspicion.
4: Good evening. This is John Dixon Carr. Each week at this time, Murder by Experts Brings you a story of crime and mystery, which has been chosen for your approval by one of the world's leading detective writers. Tonight, our guest expert is the noted mystery writer, Miss Helen Riley. From her vast knowledge of the field of mystery, Miss Riley has selected a fast-moving taut drama by Maurice Zim. And now we present William Zuckert in Return of. seen a small, plainly furnished hospital room, late at night. The patient, a man in his late thirties, is flat on his back, staring up with pain-filled eyes at the ceiling. He raises his head slowly as the door to his room is open. Nurse?
5: Yes, there's someone to see you. Yeah? This is Superintendent Andrews of the State Institution.
6: Oh. What have, what have you got there? I've uh, set up a recording machine out in the hall. Careful of the wire, nurse, when you close the door.
5: The doctor said not to keep
6: it. Yes, room. I'll make it as brief as possible. You may go now, nurse. Very well. Do you uh, mind if I hook this microphone at the head of the bed? Suit yourself, fella. Well, it was a choice between a recording machine and a stenographer, and I figured that in your condition... Well, who said I was beefing? Go on, ask. Ask your questions. I have only one question. What happened? You mean I... I can tell this in my own way? It's great. Had an uncle once, you know, that was a writer. He wouldn't have gone near this kind of a story, though, with a ten-foot pen... No, he went in for happy
5: endings.
6: (laughs) Uncle Mort wouldn't either even have liked the beginning of this story. It's kind of dreary-like up there at the asylum that afternoon. There'd been quite a snowfall the week before, and as far as the eye could see, everything was a dirty gray, like... Like a corpse that's been waiting too long for the undertaker. Well, around four o'clock, it got so dark, the lights had to be turned on in the institution. Then the wind started moaning like a lonely banshee. Fine day for a murder, as the fellow said. Well, there were three passengers sitting in the bus when I went outside for the return trip. Two men and a woman. Maybe I ought to call her a girl because she wasn't much more than that. Anyway, these three passengers all had return tickets, and I went down the aisle collecting them.
5: Driver, how soon do we
6: start? Right away, miss. We're two minutes late already. These little jerkwater bus lines never keep you their schedules. I will never get out of these mountains before that blizzard lets loose. Can I have your ticket, please, mister?
5: You really think there'll be a storm?
3: Can't fail. Lady, when they have snow up in these godforsaken mountains, this morning on the bus coming up, a man was telling me about the
6: time... The windbag was sitting right across the aisle from the girl, second row from the front. Halfway back in the bus sat the third passenger, all huddled up in his overcoat. He didn't open his trap. Well, that was the picture as we swung out onto the highway for the return trip. And this guy in back of me seemed to be itchy to start a conversation with somebody as soon as we got rolling. Might as well get acquainted, miss. Fifty
3: miles before we get to civilization. John Willard's name. I said...
5: Oh, I beg your pardon. Were you speaking to me?
3: Oh, well, yes.
5: I'm afraid I was thinking of... Oh, Oh,
3: sure. Sure, these visits to the institution, always depressing, aren't they?
5: This is my first time.
3: Oh, some friend?
5: My... my husband.
3: Oh, that's too bad. I, uh, I hope...
6: What's
5: that? Some kind of siren.
6: Yeah, that's the, uh, asylum alarm, all right.
5: Well, that means he... One
6: of the inmates must be playing hide-and-seek with the keepers. That happens every once in a while. Gosh, what if it's my brother? Oh? Is he the busting-out kind? Well, it sort of upsets him to see one of the family, but then we don't come to see him and it upsets him even more. I see what you mean.
5: Do they always catch
6: them? Well, they tell me the place has never lost a customer yet.
5: A moment ago, I was praying that it wasn't Jim... But now I don't know even if they had to. Well, it would be better than seeing him as he was today. If anything would would be better than Listen. seeing... Him.
6: Hey, that's a police siren. Sounds like they're almost on top of us. Yeah, there they are.
5: Look out, they're going to
3: pass us.
6: There's nothing. They're flagging me down. Now, just keep your seats, everybody. Guards.
5: With rifles.
6: We're looking for somebody. Uh, yeah, we heard the asylum alarm and... Ain't there. anyone along the road? No, not even a jackrabbit.
5: Officer, who is it you...
6: Greg, Steve Gregg. Oh. That's a relief. Holly, take yourself a walk down the aisle. Keep your rifle ready when you look behind those back seats. Are you kidding? They... Uh... When was this coming-out party? I don't know. Maybe as much as a couple of hours ago. Huh? Does this Greg have a gun? I can't guarantee he hasn't. There was a file that sprung him. A tiny steel file. Must have been working away at the bar since the day he was committed. A month ago.
5: His day was short. Nobody back here.
6: I'll take the gents for identification. I know how it is, driver. Can't chances. Well, of course not. Here's mine. Okay. I didn't really mean that. Your name, well, Frank Kenniston? You can read, can't you? Friendly curse, ain't you? You know, that's the first peep that passenger has let out. I was beginning to think he was a deep mute. Yeah. Well, here, driver, you can have the stuff back. Oh, thanks. What about you, mister? It's okay, Holly. His name's John Willard. I checked his identification. Okay. So come on, Denton. Graham, we got to find Greg before he finds anybody. Yeah. Driver, you can turn around and go back. Go back? Go back why? Look, this Greg is a killer. A ruthless, senseless killer. What I mean is, when the mood strikes him, he strikes. Well, what's that got to do with us turning back? Didn't I tell you this guy kills even without reason? Now he's got plenty of reason. He's got to get out of these mountains, but quick. If he's down the road, there are a lot of ways he could stop a bus. I say turn back. But that blizzard's liable to break any minute. We could be snowbound up here for days. If I had to spend even one night in that institution so help me, they'd have to keep me there. Question, driver. Now, just a second, Mr. Willard. You're just one passenger. There are three. What about you, miss?
5: Well, whatever you say. Uh,
6: Mr. Uh, Keniston?
4: I say keep going.
6: That settles it. Hurry up, then.
5: No, wait. Uh, uh what does this killer Greg look like?
6: Hmm, height about 5 feet 10. Weight about 165. Dark hair, brown eyes, 37 years old. Denton, get the lead out of your britches. But I still think they were We warned to... them, didn't we? Now, if they meet up with them, it's their funeral. Yeah. Well, we can take care of ourselves, fellas. Well, after the guards left, I really set that bus to rollin'. Out of the mirror up above the driver's seat, I could see that the girl was plenty scared, but she had nerve. I'll say that for her. Willard, the windbag across the aisle from her, gave up trying to draw her into a conversation. And as for the third passenger, Keniston, sitting halfway toward the back, he kept acting like a clam afraid of losing its oyster. Might as well have had lockjaw, if you get what I mean. Well, we hadn't gone more than another mile or two before the wind started to rise. Kept it up until you'd have thought all the devils in hell were trying to break loose. Got black the inside of a tomb until the snow started to fall. But with that wind whipping it around, it didn't exactly fall. It was a real howling blizzard. This is getting on my nerves. What have we got here, anyway? A collection of zombies? Somebody say something. Well,
5: I was uh, just going to say...
3: You were going to say the weather
6: is rotten. Yeah. And she can say that again.
5: No, that isn't what I was
6: going to say. No? Hurrah. That'll give us two topics of conversation. We'll save the weather for later.
3: Well, go ahead, lady. I can't think of a better antidote for the screaming Mimis right now than your voice.
5: Uh... It occurred to me why the guards asked for identification.
3: Yeah?
5: The description of Killer Greg. Five foot ten, hundred sixty-five pounds. Dark hair, brown eyes, thirty-seven years old.
3: So what? It's
5: a remarkable thing. That description would fit you, Mr. Willard. Oh, And Mr. Keniston.
4: What's that? Me?
5: And for for that matter, the driver.
6: Say now, look. Hey, come to think of it, all three of us could fit that description.
4: So could a million other men.
3: Forget it. Forget it, Keniston. What's eating you anyway? First, you sit back there like a mummy. Then when you finally do one... I don't happen to feel like talking. Yeah? Personally, the more I think of what she
6: said, the more remarkable it becomes. Yeah. She's got something there. Only remarkable isn't the word. Mr. Willard, what are you thinking? This man, Greg, may be insane, but he's not dumb. Oh, no. Put yourself in his place. He knows he hasn't got a ghost of a chance making his getaway in that hospital clothing. See? So he borrows the wardrobe and identification of some stranger. You follow me? We're way ahead of you, Willard.
5: It wouldn't be difficult for a killer.
6: Say not. But that still isn't the end of his problem, see? He's fighting against time. He's got to get out of these godforsaken mountains down to civilization before they can throw a noose around the whole area. And he knows that if he's brought back alive, he'll be wearing a straitjacket until he's as old as Methuselah. Well, you've got... Quite an imagination, will it? Thanks. Now, the odds that Greg will be able to get himself
3: transportation are mighty slim, except for this bus line. So let's suppose... Yeah,
6: you got a great imagination, all right. You got it all figured out. It's a bit too pad, if you ask me. Remember, please, you're the one who was so dead set against turning back. Really, Keniston? Well, I'll leave it to the lady here on the drive. Or do I look insane? Well? Search me.
5: There were times, long periods of time when Jim didn't either. My husband, I mean. That was the terrible part of it. He, he would be just like the old days and we'd be so happy together. And then all of a sudden without warning. He,
3: he It's Kirsten's been acting crazy, not me. I'll bet it wouldn't take a half a dozen psychiatrists to prove that he's...
6: Hey, an avalanche! It's coming down on us! Hold on! After the avalanche struck, I, I sat there gripping the steering wheel, sort of, sort of stunned. And there wasn't a sound except for the wind. And it was muffled by the snow barrier that packed us in. Even on the far side, the bus was buried up to the middle of the windows. Well, all this was only a matter of seconds, I suppose. And then suddenly the quiet was broken by the most gosh-awful racket was as if somebody had up and given the signal for my passengers to go completely crazy. Get me out of here. I'll take it easy. With Get you. me out of here. Look, Look out. Willis got an axe. The axe. Take it away from Let him. It. Let, Let it go of it, Willis. Let, 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 Let,
4: Let go the of it. that axe. What
5: did it. He's Look. the one. He's the one.
6: Lucky I saw him grab the fire axe from up on the rack. It's what the district attorney likes to call a, a lethal weapon. And then some... Step back. He's coming, too. Yeah, tie him up. Here, you'll find a rope in the dashboard compartment. Get it for me, huh? Uh, driver, I'll report
3: you for this. You will. Huh? I was going to smash a window so we can get out of here.
6: Oh, yeah?
3: Sure. What would you think? Oh, so that's
6: it. Here's the rope, driver. Thanks. Hey, sir, you can't do that. You can't tie me up, you fools. I'm not Killer Greg.
5: Maybe. Maybe, maybe he isn't. Maybe. Maybe.
6: But like the guard says, we can't take chances. Now, if you're innocent, Misty, you can prove it to the authorities. If we ever live that long, have you forgotten that we're trapped here by an avalanche and a blizzard that could go on and on and on? Just the same. Hey, stop, according... stop. This is ridiculous. What do you mean, miss?
5: Well, it's just that there's no proof that Killer Greg is on this bus.
6: Well, if it... If you put it that way, I... It's
5: all I, my fault, and I, I'm very sorry. My only excuse is that I was so upset by seeing Jim, my husband. I still I, say that... No, no. We've got to start acting like rational human beings. You let poor Mr. Wood up from that
3: floor. Thanks, lady. All
6: right. But I'm warning you, Willard, no funny stuff. Oh, snap all of it, driver. We've got to get out of this mess. Hand me that axe. Why look that dumb? All right, then use it yourself. Smash your window so we can crawl out. Willard, what makes you think the windows won't open? Huh? Then open one. What for? To let in the blizzard? But we've got to get out of here. Not me. Take a bed, make even a city block in that blizzard.
5: But we can't stay here.
6: Why not? We're not freezing yet. Driver's right. Our best chance is to sit pat until the storm lets up. But what if it doesn't? If and when the weather clears, we can send out a party for help, eh? Huh? Yeah, or maybe a road clearing crew will come to our rescue.
5: Yes, I, I suppose that's the same thing to do. Wait here.
6: Well, how about you, Willard? You also decided to do the same thing. I don't like that crack, Keniston. One more like now it. Now look, we're not starting that again. That's going to be a long night. We might just as well make ourselves comfortable and try to get some sleep. Sleep? Cut it out. Miss, you, uh... You take the back seat. That's the only one that runs the full width of the bus. You can use your lap robe for a quilt, huh?
5: All right, driver. I, uh... Want to apologize again to everyone for the way I behaved. Casting suspicion.
6: Forget it, forget it. Need any help?
5: No, no thanks. Thanks. I don't know what came over me starting that idiotic talk. Please believe. What?
6: What's the matter? Why are
3: you staring at the floor? Well, say something.
5: Look. Look.
6: A file. Tiny steel file.
3: One that.
5: After the avalanche hit. There was a mad scramble. One of you lost it then. One of you is Greg. Killer Greg. Let me out of there. Let me out of there.
4: Well,
6: we just let her wear us up out kicking and banging on the door. Nobody said a word. Willard and Keniston just stared at me and at each other. By and by, the girls stopped her fussing to stand and stare at the three of us in rotation. Would have made your flesh crawl. And outside, the blizzard was getting worse, if possible. Finally, I reached into the watch pocket of my pants and brought out the old timepiece. What... what time is it? Uh broke the crystal. uh, Still says a quarter to four.
5: It's 5.30. It's only an hour and a half since we started out. Only an hour and a half.
3: 5.30 in the afternoon. And at the very best we're stuck until morning. 14, 16 hours.
5: Might as well be forever.
6: Now look, miss, we just gotta make the best of it. I still think you ought to go back to the rear seat.
5: And sleep?
6: If you can, yeah. Willard, uh, the driver, and myself will be keeping a rather uh, close eye on each other in the light of recent developments. You'll be all right. Especially if you take that axe away from the driver. Huh? Let her have it for her protection.
3: Sure. Let her have it.
5: Yes. You give it to me.
3: Okay.
6: You, uh, holding on to the file, too?
4: Of course she is. The file could also be a lethal weapon.
6: Well, she took the axe and the file back to the rear seat with her and we all sat down to wait. Have you ever fought against sleep with the cold numbing you and the wind lulling you? You know, sometimes even the Fear of sudden death can't win against those odds. Time and time again the girl's eyes would close just for a second. Then they stayed closed longer and her head nodded and her body slumped over against the corner of the seat. I got up and started down the aisle. Where you going? Shh, Keniston. can't you see she's asleep? Where are you going? Her lap robe slipped to the floor. I was going to pick it up and cover her so she wouldn't freeze. Any objections?
3: I'll do it. Oh, no, you won't, Keniston. Go ahead, driver.
6: Hey, you see, Keniston, Willard thinks I should do it. That makes it two to one. Help, Help! Help me! Help me with this wildcat! Get that smile away from me before she jabs my eyes out! She was like a devil on a pinwheel. I was lucky to tear loose before she did any more than nick me about the face. Afterwards, when Willard told her what I was up to, she apologized, but didn't go near her again all the rest of that night. Well,. About five o'clock, the blizzard stopped, and at seven, the sun managed to break through. We held a council of war.
5: We can't send out for help. Why not? Don't you see, Mr. Willard? If we split up the men, whichever of you is Greg, would have too good an opportunity. Whether he goes or stays.
3: Well, you could go. Alone.
5: I'd never make
3: it. We could all go together. How about that, driver?
6: Well, I'd, I'd rather stick with the bus, Keniston. But before we decide anything, let's get out and look around. We got a window open on the far side of the bus and crawled through, the girl first. She was still clutching the axe and the file. Come
5: here and look. Another few yards and we'd have escaped the avalanche entirely. We can shovel our way out. I'm sure we can.
6: Well, there were two shovels in the tool compartment at the tail guard of the bus. That only let two men shovel at a time, with the third man getting a breather, meanwhile. And it took a lot of shoveling. (sighs) What's the matter, driver? Did you hurt your hand? (laughs) Nothing much. Feels good just to take off these stiff leather gloves. Looks to me like uh, you've got some blisters on that right hand. on, first two fingers. Say, Keniston, are you shoveling or talking? We'll never get out of here at this rate. Well, it's your turn anyway. I'm tired. Not as tired as Willard looks. I'll relieve him. No, no,
3: that's all right. I I can keep going yet for a while.
6: Okay then, Keniston. Here.
5: Let me take a turn. I know I won't be much help, but I, I can at least try.
6: No, you're a mounting guard. I'm sure you could do as well as Kenneth. Where is Kenneth?
5: Why? Oh!
6: Kenneth was making a mad dash through the snow. Willard dropped his shovel and tore after him. I yelled for Willard to let him go, but I don't think he even heard me. For a while, it looked like Kenneth was going to make it, but then he floundered and fell in the snowdrift. And before he could get underway again, Willard nailed him. You'll stay put for a while. What did you do? Knock him out. What else was there to do?
5: Is he...
3: oh. I knew all the time it was Keniston. You think his away proves it? It's the same as if he confessed. He knew it was his last and only chance.
5: What... what are we going to do with him now? Tie
3: him up. And we're getting him and the bus out of here. Hey, I wonder if there's a reward.
6: In no time at all, we had the bus clear and headed for civilization. Those snow-covered mountain roads weren't exactly my idea of a speedway, but I gave the motor the gun. Willard and the girl didn't take their eyes off Keniston. I kept watching him, too, out of the mirror over the driver's seat. He looks like he's coming, too. Don't worry, driver. Those knots I made on the rope won't give. Besides, I'm keeping the axe handy just in case.
5: He's opening his eyes.
6: Watch him now, watch him. Yeah. Yeah, watch me. And listen to me, too. Shut up, Tenison, or I'll stop this bus and put you out for good. Not before I've had my say. Willard, you too, lady. Why do you think I tried to make a break for it? That's easy. You're a killer, Greg. You fools. You blind, stupid fools. Was it my watch that had its crystal smashed at a quarter of four yesterday afternoon? So it was mine. So what? At a quarter of four yesterday afternoon, Killer Greg waylaid the real driver of this bus and took his place. What? Oh, no. That's how the crystal came to be broken. Shut up, Keniston. You can't talk your way out of this.
5: It could be a coincidence. Sure. Yeah,
6: that's what I thought, too. A coincidence. Until I noticed the blisters on the thumb and first two fingers of the right hand. A file would make blisters like that, a file held in the right hand of Killer Greg.
5: Look at him, it's true.
6: Greg. Greg! Don't come a step closer, any of you. You make the slightest move, I'll crash the whole lot of us. Don't do it, Greg. Stop the bus. you won't do anything. It was a perfect plan. It had to work. Well, if only that avalanche hadn't come along. Well, I'll still make it. I'll still make it, even if I have to kill us. The Look out for that train! You got... You got all I said uh, on your... On your recording machine, huh, Super? You got... You, you got it all, huh? Yeah, i um, right back where i started from the asylum <laughs> anyway i i outlived those 3 <laughs> i outlived those 3 didn't i super <laughs>
4: curtain falls on Return Trip, which was chosen by guest expert Helen Riley, whose latest thriller is Staircase 4. Next week at this time, Murder by Experts brings you a story of a woman who awakened from a nightmare to find reality even more frightening, as selected for your approval by one of America's leading detective writers. Until then, this is your host, John Dixon Carr, hoping you'll be with us next week at this time.
3: Turn Trip is written by Maurice Zinn. In our cast were William Zuckert, Ann Shepard, Roger DeCobin, Frank Behrens, and Alan Manson. Music in our program is under the direction of Emerson Buckley, composed by Richard DuPage. Murder by Experts is produced and directed by Robert A. Arthur and David Kogan. Characters in this week's story were fictitious. Any resemblance to the names of actual persons living or dead was purely coincidental. This is Phil Tonkin speaking.
0: That was Murder by Experts and the episode Return Trip here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. I'm Joshua. Well, a uh, lot to talk about uh, in this episode. Um, uh, first of all, I'll start with, I had never heard of murder by experts. Where did you find this? By the way, I'd like to say that this is a testimony to just how much is out there. It seems endless. Like we keep finding things and introducing each other to stuff, and going, "Where did you find that? And where did that come from?" And so uh, I love that. Where did you find this? Where did this? Come I from?
1: can put
0: a link to it
1: on the website, but because it really was this, I think many of us go through this of like, "I need to pick out a show." Google, 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 and there's a website that was Monster Club.
2: I've been to Monster Club. You've been to Monster Club? Wait, are we talking about the same website? <laughs> <laughs> I think we are. <laughs>
1: Uh, And I'm going to say that, hoping that this is, in fact, on there, because that's the path I took. I went to Monster Club, came away with this one, so I hope it's on there. Otherwise, I made some sort of intuitive webbling.
2: They have a lot of great lists of obscure old
1: radio shows. So, very similar. I had not ever heard of this before. Uh, When I found it and listened to an episode or two, I just fell in love with it and then discovered how interconnected it is with so much of what we've already heard of, like, Mysterious Traveler.
0: Mm -hmm. I do the same thing. Google, Google, Google! Uh, No, 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 no! I went through some texting the other night with Joshua. Like, I've listened to eighty episodes and I hate all of them, and I can't find anything to bring to the table for this podcast that would be interesting. And I was really impressed that you discovered something that was way off of my radar.
2: See, I'm the nerd who has a huge backlog of episodes I want to bring to this podcast, (laughs) and I ham and haw each time it's my turn. Like, oh, I want to bring this one to
0: this one, this one. Yeah, it's easy for you. I, my whole radio listening before we started this podcast was you could listen to I Love a Mystery and Adventures by Morse and I Love Adventure and uh, uh, all the suspense and X minus one and all the stuff I listen to and never run out <laughs> yeah. yeah, and never be tired of them. So what I'm saying is I didn't veer much from my 12 staples of shows <laughs> that I love and still have not gotten through all of them. So, you have this breadth and depth of all of them. And for me, this is all, oh, I'm discovering all these new things. And like Murder by Experts was, first of all, that's a great name for a show. (laughs) Yeah,
2: the marketing alone is really shrewd and and smart. Yeah, I mean, that is awesome.
0: It's a great concept. Having mystery writers pick a mystery. And then another mystery writer hosts hosts it. it. Yeah. And then, as Tim and I discussed right before we went on the air neither one of us had heard of this this man. Yeah, it's a, it's a little embarrassing to admit but that Carl was like, who is John Dixon
2: Carr? John
0: Dixon Carr, didn't know who he was.
2: Apparently he was well, a he big ha- deal. He has three names, so you know he's a writer
0: and he's <laughs> important. <laughs> so, I love the theme music. Oh, really yeah. great. Mm-hmm. That in like quiet please. Like very way, minimalist. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. but way away from the traditional any kind of uh old-time radio yeah. theme. And someone had to say no organ. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I love that. I love the, the quality of it and the entire setup and plot of it, I thought it was it was great. I admired the
2: pace of it. Yeah. There is just so much incident in here. A, you're in a bus going away from an insane asylum, someone breaks out, there's a blizzard. There's an avalanche. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> yep. we're going to just keep plowing this on here. And then you get the great framing device of someone coming to record this guy's story, and you're not sure what the story is. So, yeah, it's, it hooks you, and it keeps you interested the whole way through.
0: We've talked before about framing devices. And if you're going to do it, make it succinct and make sense and don't dwell on it and get to the story. I love this framing device. It was quick. Uh, it made sense. He was back in the hospital. They didn't tell us he was in the hospital so that we got that ending we're like oh that's where we are and there was something really nice in
1: his I get to tell a story my own way and it makes you sympathetic to his character which is a nice little trick to make you suspect him less but at the same time it makes the story he tells to be a little suspect in that he's telling the story his own way.
0: Yeah. I was actually suspectful. That's not the right word. Suspicious? Uh, Thank you. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Suspectful. It's a combination of suspicious and respectful.
0: (laughs) I was suspicious the minute he said, oh, I get to tell it my own way. Mm -hmm. It kind of tipped me off, and then I let it go uh, because of other things that happened. Oh, there were so many red herrings
2: and red flags in this. So
0: how many? This is the first time I'd ever heard this. It was the first time you've heard it? Yeah. And you, right? Yes. Okay. So while you're listening for the first time, at what point, or did you at any point go, maybe it's the woman? that or, I expected or, no one else. That was my <laughs> one and only. It was
2: just She me. is the least likely. Right. That's why. Right. And so my suspicion was that, um, because she kept talking about her husband, Jim, the problem being she named him Jim over and over again, but I was like, is Jim short
1: for Greg?
2: Could he be <laughs> Killer Greg? No, but I thought maybe there's something where her husband was Killer Greg in whatever way, and she was helping him escape.
1: I thought it was going to be that Killer Greg got out, but then they caught him. But she kept talking about how people just seemed so fine and sane, and they'd flip, and that she was going to be so afraid and so pressured that she was going to flip. And totally suckered me.
2: As soon as they let the stress off of her, it became obvious that the next most least likely <laughs> suspect was the driver. And it goes back to what Tim blisters was saying. Blisters on the hand. Was yeah, the, yeah, was blisters the, in the hand. Exactly. That's, yeah. the, that's the turning point. That's the point. And you go back to the unreliable narrator that Agatha Christie invented it in The Murder uh-huh. of Roger Ackroyd, where it's like, oh. oh yes,
0: right, yes, right. yeah, that's right, that's right.
2: No, <laughs> but I mean, it's the first time yeah, there's the murder a of narrator Dan Ackroyd. who ends up, because we always trust the narrator. If you're telling the story, that means you are somehow distanced
0: from it. I thought that, as Joshua said, the pacing was really well written I thought it was really well performed I thought it was very visual which is how I uh, rate my old time radio (laughs) like am I not having to force myself to visualize things is it easily Mm -hmm. just in my head Mm. and I don't have to think through things and like I was there I could see everything without much description you could imagine the
2: snow pressed against the side of the bus windows and I really couldn't get out
0: right and not much foley of that avalanche either which is something I paid attention to Uh, When I've had an avalanche in one of my shows and I sweated for hours on how to make that avalanche noise. And all they did was Eh, a little bit of and then the music. Like, and I write right. Sometimes you <laughs> just got to let the
2: actors sell it by screaming, right,
0: right. Sometimes you just got to let let it go and let it be okay.
2: But man, those prison guards sure love to share a lot of information on that <laughs> shit. <show. laughs> They're like, so here's what happened a guy escaped. He's a killer. He escaped with a fire. About the
1: same height as all three of these gentlemen. Yeah,
2: right here. You, you
0: guys all look like the killer. Anyway,
2: drive safely. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Got an ID? Well, then you're good. Cool. Reminds me of the moment in the <laughs> jerk. As long as you got a voucher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're good, Mrs. Newsbomb.
2: But uh, that is part of this, this genre of fiction, though. So, but, but so I accept it. You do it. have
0: to, in 30 minutes, make sacrifices sometimes to get to the point and go, we need somebody... To just explain some things mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's hard to do it in a way that's natural like in this case from prison guards that are sharing too much information <laughs> which is obviously for us yeah. so there's something i want to bring up uh, uh that filled me with great joy the listeners uh unless you know joshua don't know this about him but joshua has an affinity for gigantic props like if it's an <laughs> oversized anything And at one point, he says, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pen. (laughs) And I had to go back because I missed the next five minutes. (laughs) Because all I could imagine was a 10-foot pen and all the bits Joshua would be doing on stage. Signing the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) John Hancock. And And
2: I do meet...
0: and he, and I realized, oh, my God, if I gave Joshua a 10-foot pen, two hmm. things would happen. One, he would do an entire one-hour show with a 10-foot <laughs> pen. And two, they'd be so mad at me trying to find out where they were going to put that in their house. <laughs> it killed me. A 10-foot pen. Yes, please. So that's what you're getting for Christmas. Uh, awesome. <laughs> uh, any other uh, uh Notes as far as uh, how we feel about this?
2: This is a show where I could have used one of the guys in the bus to have a foreign accent. This is Damon, one where they yep. were really similar. It took me a second listen to completely yep. figure out all the lines of dialogue. But Correct. Between Keniston and Willard, yes. I got a little confused. And even sometimes the driver, even though he was more of the sort of Damon Runyon type guy who talks about 10-foot pens. <laughs>
0: I agree with you. There was a. It just seems
1: assume Willard said it, and then if it seems weird, figure that somebody else said it It would seem to be the yeah.
0: Well, but let me argue the other way that the idea was that it could be any any of them. So there is something to them all, kind of being Hmm. similar in voice too that we can't differentiate. Is that possibly intentional? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you this. About halfway through, I wrote, I only took three notes on this thing. (laughs) And the one note I wrote was, well, I know what show we're performing live. (laughs) 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 This is, I'm going to. It would be a lot of fun. This would be a lot of fun to do on stage with us.
2: I like the moment when they're tying up Willard which often doesn't happen in these type of stories, where they go, whoa, wait a minute, we are really being paranoid here. We have no proof that this killer isn't, un- what is wrong with us, right? And they, and they all calm down for, like, 30 seconds, and then they go, oh, there's a file, we were right, we should be very, paranoid. very paranoid. I find that very
0: real, too. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. like, you're buried in an avalanche, and the emotions. I also like that line, it took five seconds for everybody on my bus to lose their mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. And I also like, right before she said it, I said, well, this is your fault, lady, for bringing this up. And then she said, This is my fault. I should have never brought it up. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice way to think that through That how we would think in this situation. So I like that whole moment as well of dialogue back and forth, of them losing their minds and the paranoia. And, and if she'd never brought it up, what would have happened? You know, mm-hmm. nothing.
1: Yeah,
2: well, yeah. Uh, dropped
0: uh, off in the bus. Bye. See yeah. ya.
2: Killer Greg says, I was so close. But and I he... love that final moment when he, he takes Glee and you're surprised as a listener when you find out that everyone else died. I mean, it's, like, it's, it's, it's a nice moment because he yeah. has this small victory and he starts just laughing hysterically. I'm Killer Greg! <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, a very scary name to put in front of. <laughs> right. Like, you know, I'm Insidious
0: Bob. I don't know. This like, oh, quite work. Killer Greg and I'm moving to the attic. <laughs>
1: I the, that turning moment where is it Willard that they tie up and run and they assume no, that he's running because it's Keniston or knock him out or something oh that's right yes mm-hmm. Um, that as a listener like he's running that's well that must mean he's guilty but that would be weird that it's so obvious that he's guilty in running uh, it, The the story made that for me as a listener just the right amount of disorienting and confused like mm-hmm. I knew what was happening mm-hmm. But what it implied, what it meant was like, what does that mean? Yeah.
0: I had a confusing moment with that. I probably was listening wrong. I thought they were digging their way out of the bus. I didn't know they were digging the bus out of the snow. So when he took off running, I'm like, what? did He he, he made a (laughs) hole and he got out? And and he's running and then, oh, wait, they were already outside the
2: bus. But like Eric said, as soon as Keniston noticed the blisters on the driver's hand, I was like, oh, it's the driver. But, I don't think that was bad. I think you know. that it was
0: like, oh. No, it wasn't bad at all. I, but that was, that was the point where I was like, uh, I will say I was a somewhat disappointed that it, there was a lot leading up to something that wasn't as twisty, turny, uh, shocking as, you know, it was a basic, it was one of you guys and it was you. That's mm-hmm. why I thought it was the woman, you know? Yeah, like, it's yeah. a thriller gonna be a
2: setting, but it is a sort of drawing room mystery conclusion. Yes. Yes. Which I think makes it interesting but potentially disappointing. Drawing
0: room on wheels, yes. I, I didn't mind it. I just was expecting the way it was set up mm-hmm. to be uh, some kind a of... more action conclusion? Or or uh, a big giant twist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I thought the way it was set up would we looking at twist. But I think at,
2: at the time, we're still 1949, that a narrator being the person who did it is the twist?
0: Well, any anybody else have any other thoughts on this? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it.
2: A I, I lot. think it stands the test of time. I wouldn't put it in like timeless classic territory, but I, I think it is. totally an entertaining thirty minutes and Fantastic. really stands the test of time.
0: Uh, well, are, first of all, Tim, are there more? Yes, or is this one of those. And there's only two episodes in existence. Not a lot.
1: Not a lot. Maybe 15? In the
0: teens, yeah.
1: yeah uh, it, than, it ran so. weekly for a little over two years, I think. And
0: a well, lot of them are lost. Yeah, well, I'm going to listen to more because that was really well acted, by the way. And and I love the premise and the theme music, of course. Uh, again, the pacing. Uh, I loved everything about it. It was a really entertaining 30 minutes. And... What year was this? I missed this at the beginning.
1: 50, 1950, I think.
0: That explains the crystal clear quality. It's right about 1950 that you can listen and not have to strain yourself to listen to. Mm -hmm. So that I also enjoyed. Right on. I would say, I I, I don't really know what our parameters are. I would definitely recommend anybody to listen to this. Oh, for sure. And uh, I'm going to listen to more of these. And thank you. I really enjoyed that. This is the last one I listened to and, uh, of this uh, recording session. And Sorry, it was, it was 1949.
1: Nice I, j- I made a
0: mistake. Still, it was about, you know, you get into 1938 to 1944, there's a lot of, hit and miss on sound quality
1: mm-hmm. uh, it's really I don't know that I'd put it a classic but also just being a series I'd never heard of before and, and discovering it made it all the more joyful uh, so a really good series really good episode really good series that I'm looking forward to listening to more of them
0: um, when you listened to it were you really happy like about halfway through like yes oh totally <laughs> yes this is gonna work <laughs> <laughs> I can stop listening to stuff and give this I can finish this episode. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, go to ghoulishdelights.com. You can listen to other episodes of this podcast. You can also learn
1: about live shows that we do because we do live shows. We will perform live versions of these old radio scripts. And And we will be doing this one. (laughs) (laughs) And it will be lovely.
2: You can also go to iTunes and write us a review. Please write us a review. That's the end of my pitch. Just write one. (laughs) All right. Who's got the next one? Who's up? That would be me. And we are doing another listener request. And it is The Sealed Book, a story called Broadway, Here I Come. Until then, look out!